Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Business Consulting. Each week we chat with amazing guest experts all aimed at helping you grow your VA business. So sit back, grab a cuppa and tune in for a fun-filled episode. Welcome listeners and hi Joe. another week, another podcast. And we are coming up to the summer. We're recording this, listeners, on the 13th of July. And we are... Are you going to have a holiday in August, Joe? You are, aren't you? We're having 10 days um, in a village... Well, basing ourselves in a village called Segbra. Turn left out of the village and you're in the Lake District. Turn right and you're on the tour to Yorkshire route. So mm. lots of walking, lots of fresh air... We can take the dog. The kids can run wild and get muddy, mucky. Um, last year we went and it was amazing. We went wild swimming in Coniston and all sorts of things like that. Really fabulous. Um, I'm quite looking forward. It's not quite what I had planned for the summer. Um, and there is that comes with a little bit of disappointment because I can't be where I wanted to be at a friend's wedding. Um but it's getting away, it's fresh air, um, something different, plenty of time for me to sit with a book. Lovely. Looking forward yeah, to yeah. it. Excellent. Sounds, sounds idyllic. If you and like. What about you, Shelley? Are, are you, you're, I don't think you're planning anything for August as such to go away, are you? No, we're more likely to have people come and stay with us if things open up and, and, and are allowed. So our son and daughter-in-law and their five kids who live here um, are hoping to come for a few days in a couple of weeks' time, beginning of August, just for uh, Sunday to Thursday. So that would be pretty full on. Um, so, so they might be coming. And then the plan at the moment is that my son from London and his wife and two kids are coming for the last two weeks of August. They're having a holiday. It's not a holiday for me, but they're having a holiday. So because um, they come and stay here, so it's definitely not a holiday for me. But, uh, but it'd be great if they can come. But that's depending on so many variables yeah. that we don't know whether they will actually come or yeah, not. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. And also, it's really hot here at the moment. So it's quite, I mean, yesterday, I don't know if anybody saw my photos yesterday on Instagram and on the Facebook page. Uh, we went for lunch at the beach. I worked really hard all morning. We, we actually had the cockroach man coming yesterday because here we live in a hot country. So insects are part of the, you know, part of the fabric of your building yeah. almost so we have our apartment fumigated once a year and yesterday was the day so we had to be out of our apartment for at least two hours once he sprayed it because you don't want to be breathing oh in my that goodness that's system. unfortunate isn't it that you have to go for lunch yeah so we, we had to go out so we had a very late lunch we didn't go out till three o'clock because he he was delayed and anyway whatever so we didn't get to the restaurant till three and uh, and as we walked down there, I said to David, I said, just now, now we're on holiday. It feels like we're on holiday because it's a proper beach scene. And the, it's a new restaurant, yeah. which was a Greek style restaurant. And it was all blue and white. And the sea was blue and the sun yeah. was shining. It was very hot. Uh, and we could have been anywhere in the Mediterranean. We were here in the Mediterranean. And it was it was just lovely. And the truth is, even if all we do is go for lunch like that, it does feel a bit like you're mm. being on holiday. What did you have? I saw your plate and it looked like you had some sort of salad. Was it lobster or something? No, no, we don't eat shellfish. No. Um, so as uh, Orthodox, well, any Jewish people don't tend to eat shellfish. It's like pork. It's forbidden things to eat. Yeah. 
<clears throat> although some people do choose to do that, but we don't. Um, so I had, it was a uh, sea bream. It was filleted sea bream, ah. which was beautiful. It was grilled. It was fabulous. Uh, and with it was a small salad and roasted vegetables. And it was ah, absolutely delicious. Very salty, though, because I, I mean, I drink a lot of water anyway, but I really was drinking water all afternoon once we got back. So we were out for a couple of hours at the beach yesterday. So that was nice. Mm. Um, and, you know, if I can do that once a week or so, you know, that sort of thing, or, or when we get back to having our days out, we, we, we're not having them at the moment, uh, just life getting in the way. Um, it does feel like a mini holiday then. So it's not. Yeah. But my reason for asking you or, or, or kind of thinking about about August was I think that we are going to take a break in August with the podcast mm. yeah. because um, we're not around to record it. Um, the person that I've now started to outsource the editing of the podcast to the wonderful Lisa, who's doing a great job on putting all our sections together and the show notes and everything. So um, Lisa's not available much in August either. And I'm really busy with other stuff. So I think it makes sense for us to kind of take our foot off the pedal a little bit mm. and do that thing that everybody tells you to do, which is, you know, like prioritize and take a break when yeah, you need agree. one. So we will be taking a break, but never fear, we'll be back in September. Although September is going to be interesting because it's full of Jewish holidays for me. So I will have to make the decision about what days the podcast goes out on. They may go on slightly different days in September, depending on when the holidays are. I'm uh, quite orthodox. And even if the content is pre-recorded, I won't release it on a day which is a Jewish holiday. Mm -hmm. So um, I haven't looked at that yet, but I will be looking at that probably in August when I look at the scheduling for the next for the next set. But aside from talking about holidays, Joe, what else have you been up to recently? Anything exciting work-wise? Nothing really work-wise. It's just uh, my boys finish for the summer holidays in. Uh, 20th of July, how far away is that? A couple of weeks, I think, yeah. isn't it? Next week. So um, I've just been taking some opportunity to just clear the decks, get things, you know, so that over the summer I will still be working. Um, but I've got a couple of little projects I want to do for my own business. So I want to, if you like, clear away all of the, the client work, get those projects done. Um, and... Uh, I start a sort of data protection role in September, a couple of days a week with um, a national organisation. So that should be quite, you know, interesting and, and challenging. Um, so it's just kind of tidying up. I find that the summer is that time where I tidy up. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think it's a, because... There are less clients around because they're taking their holidays often as well, depending on the sector that you work with, obviously. Yeah. Um, certainly in the training world, things do tend to, the face-to-face -face training world, August used to be quite quiet because schools were out. So we, once you've got school holidays, you've got the knock-on effect of the parents who, whichever parent it might be, who needs to look after the kids if they can't get them into camps. Yeah. So they're not working so much. So it does tend to be a lot quieter from that perspective. Although the stuff I do, being all online, can be done at any time. So yeah. I, I, I still have stuff to create. I've been very busy. I've got various things. I think we talked about some of the things I've got on last week. 
Um, I finished delivering my admin chat session for Executive Support Magazine for their YouTube channel, which goes out next week. I'm in the middle of preparing a session on Teams to be delivered uh, also next week to the PA Forum, Daniel Skirmer's PA Forum. That's a, a lunchtime thing. I've just finished, uh, I've just rehearsed this morning. I'm delivering a session for Birmingham for, for the PA Conference. Uh, PA Forum Conference, which is in September. It's on September the 9th, I think, something like that. Um, and that's a pre-recorded session. And that's on Microsoft Office tools for collaboration and what Office 365 is and how it all fits together. So I, I thought I'd finished it and I rehearsed it this morning and I just need to add a little bit more content to it. That's always the difficulty when preparing a session is you, until you rehearse it, you actually don't know how long it's going to take to deliver what you've put in. Um, and I had an inkling that I needed to add something to it. But until I went through the whole thing, um, I didn't realize I need another 10 minutes of, of content, which is easy to do. I just didn't want to do it and then cut it out. <laughs> so it's better to add than take away. Uh, and then once I've got the presentation ready and I've rehearsed it again, then I'll record it. So um, so I've got that that on the go. And um, yeah, a couple, I'm doing an in-house PA forum, an in-house PA uh, training event for uh, an international company uh, in August, two days and two sessions in August. So just for the, for your kind of listeners, general knowledge, uh, I'm delivering a 90 minute uh, live training session. That 90 minute session will probably take me three days to create. So, you know, two, at least at least two days. By the time I've fleshed out exactly what the steps are and then worked my way through it, got the examples I want to use. It's not pre-recorded, it's live. So it's all got to be quite slick and I have to rehearse it. So that's 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 been kind of, that's top of mind at the moment because that's going to be live. So once I've, so I want to get through all of that stuff. That's my tidying up. And once I'm through all of that, I can start to focus on my next steps, which I'm not going to talk about today. Uh, but Joe and I were chatting about it just before, and I'm quite excited about what I want to do next. But I'm, uh, I'm just going to leave you hanging then, uh, because it's time for us to chat about our wonderful guest today, who is the incomparable Caroline Wiley. And Caroline was one of our first guests on the podcast at the beginning of the lockdown last May, when we re when we launched March, April, May last year. And uh, we, we're going to have a lovely chat because we specifically want to chat about the um, the survey, the Society of Virtual Assistants survey, and what has happened to the profession in the last year with all the lockdown and everything. And I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Um, so what do you the think? The survey is always good, isn't it? Yeah, so. always excellent. So it's going to be really intriguing to find out what trends are happening, what's happening with, with rates, with work, more work, less work, and all that kind of stuff. So I think we shall go and invite Caroline in. Yes. See you in a minute. Welcome back, listeners. And we now want to welcome Caroline Wiley, who is joining us from her holiday in very wet Hartlepool at the moment, isn't it? It's very wet there, you were saying just before. So, 
it is a wonderful British holiday. And Shelley, it would not be quite the same. We wouldn't have had the full experience if it wasn't raining. But it, it's looking brighter this morning, so fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. So we'll get this, get the podcast recorded so you can get out there while it looks like it's not going to rain for a little bit. But on the we were... side, Caroline, I heard on the weather forecast this morning, the sun is likely to come out today or tomorrow Ooh, and my... stay out for a few days. Oh, that's wonderful. Exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. Well, I do hope that happens for everybody. So uh, I won't tell you that I've got the air conditioning on here, but hey ho. So, <laughs> well, I just did. Oh, shut. Anyway, so Caroline, we were just saying before, um, listeners, we, 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 this is our second go because Caroline got cut off a minute ago. So we've, we've come back. So we were just saying before we got cut off, that um, we're looking forward to hearing about the the SVA survey and all the trends. Uh, And we were remarking on the fact that the only precedent for what's been going on in the pandemic is the Spanish flu, when the majority of women who are now VAs doing VA work, um, we talked about not wanting to exclude the few gentlemen that are around, but it would be mainly women, would not have been working. They would probably have been housewives. Um, some might have been doing domestic jobs or teaching, but other than that, they would have been housewives. So there really isn't a precedent for what happened in the last year in the working world for women specifically. So what what the survey told us, Caroline? Well, it's it's been fascinating, and I think everybody has been really looking forward. Well, not looking forward, but almost dreading <laughs> um, to see what the impact has been, yeah. because we know through the year. Um, or the 18 months, last 18 months, um, we have seen a huge number of people joining the industry as VAs. And whether that's down to redundancy or whether they have decided they don't want to be in a traditional office anymore, people have been joining the industry in droves. And it's been interesting because um, you know, that's going to have an effect on the industry. So whether or not they are um, sticking to best practice, whether or not they are treating this as a hobby, whether or not, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's affect driving down prices or driving up prices. We, we just don't know what effect it's going to have. So by the time that we, we kind of got around to, to looking at the, the survey, um, you know, we were really curious as to what effect it was going to have. And um, although we haven't had a pandemic like this before, um, we have moved through um, recessions before. And in mm. fact, probably the last one that we saw was kind of um, 2008, 2009 with the collapse of the banks. And, you know, we, we saw the same thing. We saw a huge number of PAs turning themselves into VAs, joining the industry. And weirdly, um, although we saw lots of VAs um, especially ones that had really specialised their business and niched them down, left the industry because they just suddenly didn't have a business overnight. Um, we actually saw the hourly rate for VAs jump um, in the years after that, um, the year after that. So it, recessions aren't necessarily a bad thing for VAs because in some ways it entices people, clients to use a VA for the first time when they've maybe not thought of it before so mm-hmm. I mean it, it, it's been a very strange thing I can I can chat more about some of the figures that we have and and what we discovered this year but I was curiously confident that we weren't going to have a terrible um terrible result on this yeah. in the survey yeah now I would have thought um I mean, it's interesting you say that because I was uh, email chatting with uh, with uh, uh, a new VA yesterday just yesterday uh, if you're listening, uh, I won't say your name just in case. And um, she's brand new. She's just setting up 
she doesn't live in the UK and she was hoping she hadn't missed the boat. She was talking about taking my flagship program, my hub, um, and we were talking about how that would help her and all that kind of stuff. We went backwards and forwards. And she said, you know, with so many people joining the profession at the moment, I'm worried that I might have missed the boat. Um, that's what made me think of it. And I, I said to her, I don't think you have. I, I think that now more than ever, businesses are valuing the, the remote work. They've, because now they've been forced to do it. Um, they're now looking at these this section of professional people who are set up to work like that. So they know what they're doing. Um, and I think, I think that can only be a good thing personally. Um, but, but yeah. So yeah, I think there's been, there's definitely, there's been a huge number of VAs. So SVA members, um, we've had over a thousand VAs join us since March, 2020, um, you know, which is about, we reckon there's probably about um, 4,000 VAs working in the UK at least, um, according to you know, according to our membership, we have over four thousand members, um, and you know, to have over a thousand joining us during that year um, is really quite something. It's it's a huge part of it. Um, what I would say is that we've also had a number of clients who have always sort of poo pooed the idea of of having a virtual assistant. Oh no, it's too complicated, and they've had to learn new ways of working, yeah. and they also you know they've had to learn new ways of working with their own customers and mm. that kind of led them to look for a specialist that is able to help them so um you know I, I, it's not necessarily a negative um but it, it and it's also you know sadly some people have had to make staff redundant and want a more flexible way of paying their staff yeah. so you know whereas they wouldn't necessarily want to have a full-time member of staff being a pa they might just need you know a few hours admin help each week and that's that's where the flexibility of using a va really really kicks in and people are, are looking to to harness that energy yeah um yeah, so yeah it's, it's been interesting yeah um in in terms of the kind of COVID effect, um, we didn't know what was, it was going to be. You know, we didn't know whether it was going to be positive or negative or, you know, because we do have all of these clients joining, but we also have all of these VAs joining the industry. So we kind of asked the um, asked the VAs about whether or not they, they thought it was a positive thing or a negative thing. And about 30% said that COVID had had a positive effect on their business. Um, they tended to be the VAs who specialised in on, online webinars, um, mm. you know, group memberships, uh, web, you know, um, hosting events mm. and things like that. Um, and about 33% said that they'd seen a negative effect on their business as a result of COVID. So you've got a third who are saying it's a good thing, third who are saying it's a negative thing. The ones that really suffered, I think, are generally the the more traditional PA type services, diary management, um, you know, th those kind of traditional tasks. Yeah, I, su I suspect that without so much travel going on, um, there's less of the diary management. Although, having said that, there is still diary management because if we've all moved our meetings online, we've still got to create online meetings and, and make sure they're scheduled in properly. So uh, yeah, it's a different, but you haven't got travel to factor in, which I suppose is quite a big chunk. If you're organising meetings for an executive at a high level in a big company, and they, it's not just the meeting, it's all the things that go with it So uh, yeah. that, that you have to organise. So, so what, what's happened to rates, Caroline? That's an interesting one. Sorry, what was that, Shelley? Rates. What, what has, has the rates? What was the effect on rates? Rates, ah. yeah. I expected there to be a bit of an uplift because that's what we saw in the last recession. 
Um, so I kind of the only time that we've kind of seen a very marked in, increase is actually after the last recession. And I kind of expected to see that again. We didn't. We just saw a very gradual increase, which is in line with the last few years. Um, mm. And, you know, that that does show it's a positive thing because it's still yeah. going up. It hasn't really affected the hourly rates. Um, turnover is exactly the same. It's seen, it's seen a small increase, which is in line with, with other years. Um, so it's um, it, it hasn't really affected um, the average, mean average of mm. what people are earning or what people are charging, yeah. um, which is interesting uh, because, uh, you know, we would have maybe seen a drop if it had been, you know, terrible and people were kind of um, chasing each other to the bottom. Um, and I don't think that's happened at all. No, I think I think that's that's great. Have you got any thoughts on that, Joe? I've got a couple of thoughts. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Rates is, it's always one of those questions, isn't it, that can get very sticky very, very quickly. Um, I know quite a few of the groups, Joe, absolutely ban any talk of rates yeah. because it is such a yeah. hot potato, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, it, and it just, you know, it, it's one of those things where, People feel uncomfortable and there are various people that are entrenched in various points of view around a rate and, and all of those things. So it, it's it's really interesting. I think the more you niche, the more your rate grows. But that's not to say that um, you shouldn't or couldn't put your rates up, you know, um, I just think it's one of those very difficult topics, isn't it? And people are always uncomfortable about that. It gets quite personal as well. So for, yeah. I should say, average, the hourly rate for VAs is now £27.17 an hour. Um, so that gives you some idea of, of where yeah. you should be charging as an absolutely average VA. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you have specialist skills or you have many years of experience of being a VA, and that's very important, um, right. or you have a team of people that work with you and are able to give um, clients a much more uh, rounded service, you, you should probably be charging more than that. If you have less years of experience of being a VA, um, you know, you don't have a team, and you don't have any specialist skills, then probably your hourly rate is going to fall a little bit below that. But as with anything, it's only, um, you know, if you can sell the hours at that sort of yeah. price, great. Um, the problem that I really have is when people sort of say, oh, well, my I would never charge less than £30 an hour. And then they moan about not getting new business. Mm. <laughs> you know, unless you can sell the hours at those those kind of rates, that's not your rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's also a whole thing around pricing which is a very emotive and very personal because we all bring our own money stories <clears throat> excuse me yes. pricing and our own beliefs on what value for money is um and how much so, so what how we value ourselves um and how other people value us and i think that's also part of the mix as well I think it probably is. There's also, it's quite interesting because one of the things that we do each year is we ask about, you know, how did people arrive at their pricing? Um, and it's quite interesting because actually the vast majority of people just set their pricing against what is industry standard. You know, what are other people charging that mm. have the same kind of skills as me? And that's actually what a lot of people do. They have a look around, they see what other people are charging and that's how they, they set their prices. 
um, which I think is, is fair enough. Um, you can do cost plus pricing where you kind of work out what your costs are going to be and then you charge a little bit extra to cover any um, eventualities. Um, but a lot of the time people are literally just sort of saying, you know, I think this is about what I should be charging um, because that's what everybody else kind of charges. Mm. Um, so that's, um, that's an interesting one. I think that VAs are very bad about not raising their prices. Um, 41% of the VAs said that they were not uh, going to raise their prices. Their prices are all going to stay the same. Um, and, you know, that that's difficult against a background of inflation and it's difficult mm-hmm. against, um, you know, rising costs that we may well face in the next few years. Um, so you need to make sure you build that into your pricing strategy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the, a lot of that, though, is because VAs are such beautiful, helpful people, uh, in my experience. They like anyway. saying yes. They like <laughs> saying yes to things and they like helping people. And there is this kind of feeling of we've all been through this difficult time and my clients might be struggling, so I can't raise my, raise my prices. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's not the right personally don't think that's the right attitude because just because your client is struggling shouldn't mean that you should struggle yeah. um, even yeah. if it means replacing that client with one that's going to pay you properly. it's also worth bearing in mind as well Shelley I mean the amount of non-billable hours that you have yeah. as a VA so you know if you have to do your own marketing your own um, billing your own admin on top of the hours that you're working you know about 30 to to 50% of your time is going to be spent doing non-billable tasks. So that hourly rate that you get charged by the client has to actually cover those non-billable times that you you Mm. won't be working for clients as well. And I think that, you know, that's a very difficult concept to explain to clients um, who do struggle with it. Um, Why should I pay you 30 quid an hour when, you know, I can get somebody to attempt to work for 15 pounds an hour? The the other thing is with that, Caroline, you know, that that hourly rate has to cover our own things like our holiday pay mm-hmm. that you know if we were an employed person we would be entitled to sick pay maternity pay holiday pay somebody would pay for an appropriate desk a laptop that's professional quality um the right chair to protect our you know as business owners we provide all of those things for ourselves and the hourly rate has to cover that too doesn't it um yeah well because as- long term you you can't stay in business if you don't have those things, Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the other thing that is really, really important, and I feel it's very important, is our CPD. Now, if we were in a paid job, there would be, I don't know, lunchtime workshops. The company might pay for us to go on a Teams course or, a, you know, an improve your business writing course or, or whatever that thing is, Right. Now, as a VA, if we're not investing in ourselves and whether that be updating our tech skills, whether it's our soft skills or or whatever else, the the myriad of training that there is out there, we very quickly become, I don't know, is the word irrelevant, out of date. And we can't offer those clients that service that they need. So that hourly rate has to cover the investment in ourselves in order to protect and maintain and grow our business, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And if you think back, you know, if you look back five years in the VA industry, you would see a very, very different Mm -hmm. VA. 
you yeah. know, they were doing different things. Their their services were very different. Um, their focus was very different. Their, you know, the way they were marking themselves were very different. And it just shows you how quickly the industry does move. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you do need to stay relevant. And I think it's really important as well to connect with other VAs and to see what they're doing, <clears throat> not because you want to copycat them or anything like that, but because it gives you a little insight into what's going on and where you might want to, yeah. to move yourself yeah. to make yourself indispensable to clients or, or really marketable or, you know, be able to to make sure that you stay relevant. That's that's really cool. I'm so pleased you said that because that was kind of um, something that I want our listeners to get from the podcast is is they can hear different perspectives from different VAs and guest experts like yourself, who is also a VA. Um, yeah. just so that they can see that that it's not one size fits all not not one pair of shoes for everybody there's everybody's got a different skill set and a different way of being so they can choose anything really uh, and I think I think that is such an important point it's also I mean it also keeps it fresh for you as a VA I mean I, as much as I love my clients I would find it very difficult to do just client work day in day out mm, yeah. um if I'm not learning something new I get bored very very quickly and as a VA you quite often encounter different industries or different skills yeah. that you need to use within your business which keeps it interesting um but you know as, as a VA you also need to keep relevant with things that might help your clients um now it doesn't need to be formal training in fact um the survey shows uh, I think 51 percent of VAs are self-taught um, and obviously, SVA is very involved in, in promoting trainers, uh, UK-based trainers, who are capable of, of saying yes to our best practice guide. Because, the, oh, this is another thing that we really need to note about the pandemic. The number of VA trainers, coaches, mentors, groups oh. that are bringing up <laughs> that are paid. Oh, was this a hot topic? Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, the numbers that are popping up are insane and and actually a lot of the people that are running these groups don't have that much VA experience mm. haven't worked through a recession before um you know they don't actually know what they're doing and you know as a VA trainer we expect you to have at least five years experience of being a VA mm. or demonstrable knowledge that you can actually help VAs in terms of you know teaching coaching um relevant experience etc and actually, when, when we get the, the applications for the VA trainer scheme, which is free, um, you know, we very closely look at what they're saying, if they're mm -hmm. being, um, you know, uh, upstanding citizens, if you like, they're not lying about their achievements, they're yeah. not claiming to have done stuff that they haven't done, which is very common, um, you know, that they do have relevant experience. Um, and you know a lot of the time they just don't have it and we yeah. knock them back and we say look you know please go away and get some more experience before you start charging VAs for your knowledge mm -hmm. uh, which in our opinion is not is not um enough to actually warrant charging for it and you know there's no reason why a UK-based VA trainer shouldn't join the scheme um you know if they're not on our list there's a very good reason for it probably either they don't know about it in which case they're not that connected with the industry or, you know, they haven't been able to get through our vetting process, um, which is very sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, our aim is to try and get as many people as possible, as many trainers as possible um, through that process so that we can have a range of different trainers. Because, you know, training is quite a personal thing. Yeah. You'll gel yeah. with some people and you'll like, really dislike others. 
um, you know, different people have different ways of doing it. And, you know, our idea is to try and get people so that they can they can pick the one that suits them, but know when they pick them that it's the right one. So we, we have an approved list of VA trainers and you can have we look on the website for that yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's I think that's really good. I mean, certainly as an IT trainer, um, I've when I had my face to face training company which was a few years ago now, I, I had that company accredited by the Learning and Performance Institute. And it cost me a fortune, to be honest, and it was a very rigorous process. But I wanted my clients to know that I'd gone through that process so that they could trust that I had the right processes in place. Uh, it's whatever I needed to have. And I think I think it's I've always been keen to show that I'm not just a person who uses Microsoft Office and I can teach you how to do it. I actually want people to know that I'm a proper trainer. And I think mm -hmm. that's really important. And it holds everybody's standards as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's weird, Shelley, because so many people just don't do the background that they should do when they're handing money over to people, which yeah. I find bizarre. But <laughs> maybe that's because I'm mean. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're, you're a, a quick Google will show right, you. Yeah, Sorry, absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Quick Google will show mm. you everything you need to know about anything. Yeah. So that's absolutely true. So what else? Um, what other surprises were there in the survey? Were there any other surprises? Well, as I said, I was quite surprised that the hourly rate and the VA turnover was still going up, which I was really mm -hmm. pleased about because that shows that the industry is quite robust these days. Yeah. Um, the COVID response, I we have 11% um, of VA businesses who previously had no loan funding took out borrowing for the very first time as the result of COVID. Anecdotally, what I've heard from those VAs is that they used it to expand their business. So they've used the bounce back loans and things like that to not to pay bills on an ongoing basis, but to maybe strengthen their business. So they might have redone their website or looked at their branding or looked at their social media um, offering. So, I mean, uh, that's that's quite a positive thing. But whether or not they can repay those loans over time, we will wait and see. Um, the the big things that we saw that changed were that VAs um, had a drop in workload initially and a massive increase in video calls, which I, I don't think <laughs> there's any surprises there. Um, only 31% of the VAs were eligible for any of the government support schemes like business grants, self-employment mm. um, income support scheme um, or funding from council. So VAs were one of those kind of slightly ignored sections because a lot of them don't have premises and mm. um, perhaps hadn't been in business long enough um or maybe you know they, they just they just weren't earning enough from their VA business to be able to claim anything that would would help them which is a shame um, and certainly my advice to people that have been ignored by the government support schemes is actually to check in with the local council because the local councils have the COVID support funding um, and they're really the key to being able to get it. Mm. Um, the other nice one that I quite liked, I, I, we've asked this question in the past and it was always quite popular. People said, oh, I really liked you asking this question. Um, so we asked, what's the end goal of your VA business? You know, what are your plans for the future? It's, it's mm. a typical like job interview question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So that's it. Um, and it, it was an interesting one. So we had 10% of the, the response were retiring um, or 3% plans to sell their business. 38% um, wanted to expand their VA business. Um, a lot of them, actually massive increase in this one, 16% wanted to travel, 
And um, we had, you know, lots of kind of different answers to things, but we kind of divide them into all sorts of different um, uh, different categories. We had 4% want to be the next generation of VA trainers. Um, but we had about 17% um, were planning on leaving the industry overall. And that's a massive increase from 2018 when we mm. asked, last asked this question. But actually, it was mostly due to the number of VAs that were planning to retire. And I think that that sort of shows the age profile of the VAs yeah. and the fact that they've actually had successful businesses um, that are allowing them to retire, which is, is actually weirdly a positive thing, yeah. I think. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's been an interesting year, as I said. Um, we've got, I just, I don't know if anybody kind of knows um, about the survey, but we've got kind of special sections in it, which cover things like multi-VA businesses. You know, if you, you're working with um, subcontractors in your VA business, we tell you about how much, um, you know, the average percentage that you retain as part of the client fee is gonna be and how much you pay your subcontractors. Um, we spoke about established VAs that have been in business for a long time and what kind of things they do in their businesses to keep them relevant mm -hmm. and also to, to make sure that their business is future-proofed. And we spoke about the VAs that earn a replacement PA salary as well. So that's, um, you know, if you want to actually leave your job, you need to know what do I need to do as a VA to be able to replace that salary. So we, yeah. we kind of show a little bit about that as well. Um, the only sort of other hot topic that I can think of, and it, it's always, you know, Joe was saying about the pricing yeah, yeah. Um, and how it always sets off huge arguments. So there's another one. Go on, Joe, see if you can guess. What's the other one that really sets people's teeth on edge and gets people arguing? Ooh, um, oh, am I take a stab that it's hours, hours that you work? Hours that you work? No, it's not. No, no it's hmm. not the one I was thinking. We can talk about hours if you want. Um, but on you go. Go on, Joe. I bet Joe knows this one because it's always red rag to a bull when this comes up on on the forums and things. I can't think. I can't think. I can't think. Okay. Hmm. What about if I mention the words side gig? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, the phrase, we, a side hustle. Oh. Yeah. Oh, side, that's it. Side hustle, isn't it? That's side the word. That hustle. Side uh, hustle. Yeah. Joe jo can explain how awful this is every time that these words get mentioned. So it's, it, you get, you get people who seem to think that they could be a VA as a side hustle to earn a little bit of extra. And, you know, you'll get various forums, not necessarily, Sometimes in the SVA group, I've seen it, but in other groups as well, somebody will come on and say, you know, I'm not doing very well at work, but I'm going to be a VA as a side hustle. And then <laughs> VA's just plowing. This is a professional industry. And they're absolutely right. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm making it, you know, sound quite hilarious. But, but they, they are quite aggressive, aren't they, Joe? <laughs> some, some of them can be quite aggressive, but it, it is that that kind of in a way side hustle indicates that it's just a bit of pocket money whereas mm. for yeah. professional VAs running a business it is just that it is a business it is yeah. their livelihood and it feels sometimes when you hear that phrase side hustle that you're being diminished um, mm -hmm. or your industry or your job is being diminished and it's yeah it is um, so, so how many do you think 
see their business as a side hustle, which they they do around other things. How many? Give me a percentage number. Ooh. How many do you reckon, so? Give, given how many people we 10%. have coming on. Go the, on, let's let's go ten percent. Ten percent. What about you, Shelley? What do you reckon? Well, I was going to say five percent. Well, I have to say Shelley is closer. So it's four point eight percent. Wow. Um, so there we go. So all of these people that we're terrified of just joining the industry because they just want to make a bit of pocket money. It's yeah. a really low number. And in fact, mm-hmm. it's about double the number of men that are in the industry. So it's it's really, given how few men there are, um, you know, it's a really small, small number. Yeah. Um, 75%, 75% see being a VA as a long-term business. Um, quite a, a high majority, there's a high number um see their biz- uh, it is a business that suits their in- lifestyle just now so I guess that's maybe mum's juggling childcare mm-hmm. or you know somebody that's that's maybe winding down towards retirement but as I said 75% see being a VA is a long-term business mm-hmm. um, it, it's a tiny 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 percentage would see it as something that they, they're doing as a side mm-hmm. gig yeah. Um, okay. and, and it's interesting because you get all of these kind of comments before I'm like just shooting people down um it is a tiny number and weirdly um I guess one of one of the things that concerns the VAs that are using it as a professional income is they're really worried that these side gig VAs are going to have an, an effect on um you know things like professional standards like having a confidentiality agreement or having you know, disaster recovery mm-hmm. plan or professional indemnity insurance. And given how many people we've had joining the industry this year, you would have thought that if that side hustle um, number was huge within those people joining, we would have seen a, a drop in things like those those kind of business yeah. documentation. And we haven't really. Um, the only ones that we've kind of seen a slight drop in is anti-money laundering regulations, which is probably down to the new pricing structure in that. Um, a small job drop in website cookie and privacy policy compliance. Again, that's probably down to the number of um, new platforms that come on, like Squarespace and Wix, which really don't have the facility to do that. Um, we've had a small, small drop, you know, less less than one percent in client terms and conditions. Um, but actually, you know, overall, it's not been a massive drop, and we've actually seen an increase in professional indemnity insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think um, overall, I don't think the side hustle gigs are um, no. are a problem. Um, and I hope asking oh. that offensive question, I got I got a bit of flack on the survey about that. Why did you ask this offensive question? Well, I asked the offensive question because we needed to know the answer. Yeah, and the answer is that seventy five percent of them see being a VA as long term business. Yeah, um, it's yeah. it's interesting the. Um, the drop in sort of like the the compliance elements. I'm not surprised about the MLR because I know that a lot of VAs, you know, we went through that process as an industry about understanding who MLR was for and all of those things. I know a number of VAs who made the decision that once that was clear, no, they don't do that at all. Um, so I'm not surprised about the, the drop of the, around the MLR. Um, bit surprised about the drop in things like terms, but maybe that's new VAs coming in who are getting that set up and, and all those things at the point of the survey. Could well be. 
could well be. I mean, I think it, it's quite difficult sometimes to understand, you know, what's happened behind it. But I think you're yes, probably right, course. Joe. I think these are people that are maybe not made enough money yet, but are planning on doing it. So over time, as we do the survey next year, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm a big believer in market forces, which makes me a stinking capitalist. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if these VAs aren't able to deliver to the clients um, and don't do a good job, they won't stay in business long term. Yeah. Absolutely, mm. absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about hours. What, what, mm. what did, what questions did you ask about hours? Oh, we asked lot. We always lots ask lots of questions. I have to say, and I, I, the really big thank you goes out to everybody that filled in. We had over five hundred participants this wow. year, and um, we can't do it without you guys. And it is the largest piece of research on VAs, I believe, in the world because I've seen the next biggest survey from America, and they did not have as many as that. Um, so <laughs> I'm really proud that people, you know, take the time to support their industry. And, and fill it in. It is a massive survey. There are a ridiculous number of questions. And, you know, we, we always say thank you to everybody. And we try and, as far as possible, to give away as many as possible. But obviously, you know, it does cost us money to put the survey together and um, compile everything and, and get all the all the kind of promo together. Yeah. So we do we do charge for the report. But if you were in the first 10% of people that fill it in, you get free copies. So this year we had over 400 people got free copies. Wow. Um, I think there's some 420, 440, I can't remember off the top of my head. But a lot of people got freebies. Um, and uh, yeah, the questions we asked about working hours were, um, how many hours do you work a week? And, um, you know, the vast majority of people working 21 to 40 hours. So between part-time and full-time. Um, and um, we asked about sort of non-billable hours, how, what percentage of your time is spent on non-billable tasks. Um, we asked um, as well about, you know, how much you earn in regard to how many hours you work. So if you work less hours per week, you can expect to earn less money because obviously, you aren't yeah. working as many hours but you also earn less as an hourly rate because actually the clients value having that availability so it is kind of like a a bit of a trade-off if you only want to work a small number of hours a week the clients are going to pay you less because <clears throat> they need that cover yeah. um, and whereas if you work more hours let's say you're a full-time business um you know the clients are willing to pay more per hour for those that kind of availability um so it's not just the amount of work that you do it's also the availability that you have being valuable to the clients which mm. is, is kind of interesting i think mm. so what what percentage of what's the average percentage of non-billable hours just kind of broad for us for for an absolutely average average va you know so we're taking yeah. an absolutely bog standard average um the average va spends about 36 percent percent of their time on non-billable activities so that's things wow. like billing marketing their own business admin and it will affect the amount of time they've got available for client work and that needs factored into pricing yeah. um multi-vas vas that are working with lots of um different vas and and, and subcontracting the workout obviously their non-billable time goes up because yeah. not only are they managing their own business but they're also managing the team of VAs that work with them and the workflow of them through the system so they have a much higher non-billable um, percentage um, so yeah it's it's an interesting one um, it's it's 
you know, we, we do have lots and lots of details on the multi-VA businesses. And uh, it always surprises people. We've, we've asked this question the last few years um, about, you know, how much do you pay your subcontractors? And it always creates a bit of a shock because although people quite often spout out about how much they pay their, multi, their subcontractors, um, a lot of it's total nonsense. <laughs> so um, we, yeah. we do... We do look at those numbers very closely and uh, you know if your business model is that you outsource um the only way to stay in business like that is actually to charge a fair whack yeah um to the clients and then to only pass on a bid to the va that's doing the work yeah um and we've got the percentages on the on the survey so you can have mm -hmm. a look at that yeah. oh, it's all it's all fascinating stuff so is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about it apart from please come and fill it in next year when we send it out yeah, so um, obviously every year we, we rely heavily on people filling out the survey and we know it's tedious. It takes about 15 minutes to fill in. That's the kind of average amount of time people spend on it. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we love that people do spend the time filling it in. It's, you know, it's a very privileged position to be in. Um, you know, if you haven't had your copy, uh, it means that uh, you either didn't fill in the form properly or... Um, you've missed the deadline for downloading it so you can go onto the website um at societyvirtualassistance.co.uk and you can download your copy for 35 pounds and as i said um being a, a cic a kick um sva just plows the money back into running the organization and doing the things that we we do for you guys um so you can you can feel a bit good about that um making sure that the standards are upheld and that we've got the free listings for the vas and the free listing for the va trainers and all the other bits and pieces that we do yeah i think um, i think it's very yeah. commendable what you do i think i think you do a great job caroline it's really impressive oh, thank you honestly it really is well it needed to be done and I think it's that's one of the things that I I always felt about the industry is that um <clears throat> as a VA working alone in the early days when we didn't have this you know I can't tell you the number of times that people phoned up pretending to be clients or potential new clients trying to find out how much I charged I mean it was really it's a really horrible way to be treated by another VA um but it happened all the time because people just didn't know how much VAs charged mm -hmm. um and then on top of that, I think there's also that slight um, creeping feeling at the back of your head. Well, I'm not doing very well compared to everybody else on these <laughs> forums and Facebook groups and things. Um, because so many people just, you know, boast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only, we only um, post the image that we want people to see, yeah. don't we, online. Yeah, it's it's exactly. not always a true reflection. Mm. And it's interesting because people do post, um, you know, what's actually going on inside their VA business because it's anonymous. And... Um, you know, it's it all gets done by analysts. I never know who's posted what. Um, you know, it it just it, it just is is something that they can be truthful about what's actually going on in their business, how much they really charge people, how much they actually earn overall, what kind of hours they work, because all of those things kind of interrelate together. Mm -hmm. um, and it's 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 interesting and i love um we do throw in some random questions like the one about where are you going to be in five years time mm -hmm. um you know and it's always quite interesting to have those questions in there and see, see what people come up with um so i hope everybody um really likes the survey i hope that they get a lot out of it and um yeah it's it's always a pleasure to put them together and um, i should mention the other thing we have in the survey is actually a kind of big thank you to people who have made a difference in the industry. And um, I'm so pleased. This year, <clears throat> we had an absolute record number of nominees 
um, you know, we asked who gives back to the industry and we, we keep it very open and we ask people for the reasons why. And we had an insane number of people being um, thanked for their work that they do giving back to VAs and giving back to the industry. Um, and it's uh, it's really lovely. Um, and in fact, let me have a look. We're just we're just going through all of these bits and pieces, and and it's just um, it's really good, and it shows how many people are giving back now. Whereas I think before, you know, there was only two or three maybe that were trying to bring people together, and, and now I think there's a lot. Um, oh, that's, that's fantastic. That's 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 really nice, isn't it? When, mm. when people thank it's people. lovely. It's really really nice. Really really nice. Joe, have you any closing thoughts? Anything you want to ask Caroline before we? draw this fascinating episode i find that the va um questionnaire fascinating and you know it's been a staple in my sort of journey um from when i i very first thought about going down this route you know when i was expecting um so yeah i think it's a very very valuable resource for new vas looking to come into the industry for existing VAs to benchmark where they sit against their competition and their co potential collaborators. Because, yes, we're all as businesses competing for the work, but we're also collaborating. Um, I just think it, it brings such huge value to our industry. And, and you know, the work that Caroline does it is hugely important for all of us. Yeah. So Thank listeners, you know, that's very true. No, it is. It's very true as well. So listeners, if you've got any comments, you can go and look for the Society of Virtual Assistants on Facebook. And um, obviously the website has got lots of useful information on it. All those lists that Caroline mentioned earlier. Caroline, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat again today. A um, bit different to the last time we chatted because you're on the phone and we, we're just talking to a <laughs> telephone symbol. But that's okay. I think we managed. And, um, you know, it's so difficult with the phone, with, with, with being on the phone, is you don't get that vision. It's made me realise how much we rely on seeing um, movement in the other person about when they're yeah. talking, when they're going to stop talking. So yeah. if I've interrupted, my apologies, because yeah. I couldn't see you. So, uh, but that's kind of just a, a little reminder to myself. But thank you so it much. Just coming. one of these weird things. It really, uh, it does make a huge difference. And as I said, I would normally be be on the yeah. on the video as usual. Um, but uh, yes, thank you for inviting me along, Jenny. Thank no, you. Thank you're you, very, Jane. very welcome. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your very British Hartlepool summer holiday. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'll speak to you soon, guys. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Welcome back, listeners. Now, I don't know about you, Joe, but I found that completely fascinating, that, that chat we just had with, with Caroline on many, many levels. Yeah, yeah, hugely. And, you know, it's, it's really good to hear that, you know, VA rates are going up, that the diversity in the industry is going up. And I looked at the um, report while we were in their break and, and doing other things. And there were a huge number, 568 respondents this year. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. And also um, 4,100 and something VAs who are members 
of the SVA, which I think is phenomenal yeah. uh, because there's always going to be some people who are maybe not members or, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. they, they haven't become members yet. So um, so that's kind of quite an interesting number. And, and yeah. Caroline said a thousand had joined in the last year. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's quite an astonishing an astonishing number. And I think next year's survey is going to be really interesting, don't you? Yeah, because it's sort of like there'll be there there'll be three years that will be very interesting to contrast pre, yeah. during and post. post. Yeah, I think that's going to be very telling next year. How many of these extra 1,000 people have stayed in? How many people who have retired or were planning to leave anyway? I think that was quite interesting as well. So it talks a little bit um, to the demographic of of those people who are VAs at the moment. If 17% of them are looking to leave the profession in the next couple of years, um, usually that's probably due to retirement seem to be the main reason that's also quite an interesting um, statistic isn't it yeah yeah absolutely it's it's amazing what you can get from data when you collect it in this sort of um organized way um and and the way you chop and dice it yeah yeah very interesting tell you lots and lots of interesting things so i just hope that caroline is going to enjoy the rest of her british summer hartlepool holiday (laughs) and she joined us on the phone which was the first time we've had somebody just join us on the phone um, because she's staying in a caravan and it was just easier that way so um, so that was that was that was the first for us for the podcast. The first for although podcasts never used to be visual, so it was probably just like a, an old-fashioned podcast, which would just be audio anyway. Yeah. So so uh, so yeah. So Joe, what's uh, what's on your agenda for the rest of today? Um, I've got a supermarket shop arriving um, in about an hour I think it is let's see what time it's quarter past 10 so it's from half past 10 till half past 11 so um yeah the uh the greedy monsters have eaten us out house and home so there's that I've got um a GDPR report to write for somebody um I've got a proposal to put out today for somebody for um virtual data protection officer services so that's like a a monthly call and and review um and um i've got some training slides to just have a look at um somebody sent me some we're we're working on a joint sort of training session around gdpr and and some other elements of compliance so i've just got to have a look at those and and make sure we're we're happy and then that's ready for us to deliver and that's going to be an in-person Oh, yeah, it's it's an in-person thing. And um, the company involved have got two departments. So it's about 25 people and they they've organized to put a marquee. So there's tables and we're going to be. Yeah, very nice. Very, very nice. Very nice. Very exciting. So I'm just going to be finishing off my session for the PA forum. Uh, this afternoon I'm going to be adding in the extra content and then I'll get down to actually recording it all because it yep. has to be pre-recorded and sent off um, and the, the conference is all pre-recorded but I'll be live in the chat so the sessions have to be created beforehand 
Um, so yeah, so that's quite uh, that's quite nice. I'm going to be that's what that's really my main focus for today. Um, and then there's there's always tons to do. There's always always tons to do, and it'll be interesting. I think I should sit down and work out what percentage of my time I spend on non-profitable tasks, for want of a better description. Although you could argue that they are profitable because your business wouldn't run without them. So yeah. things like marketing, social media, blogging, newsletters, mm. just talking to clients, booking things in. It will be quite interesting to kind of figure out. But it, it kind of goes back to what I said on the call, that that hourly rate or that day rate or that package rate, however you chop and dice your fees for your services, should take into account the fact that there is a percentage of your time that is creation, that is marketing, that is your own accounts and your own club compliance work and, and all those things. So, you know, maybe that evaluation, we should all be doing that and saying 10% of my time or 5% or 50%, whatever that looks like in your business. Um, and then make sure then that we're charging enough to pay for those times as well as the direct client stuff. Yeah. And there's another issue. We're talking about the hoary subject called pricing. Um, mm. Is also what is the value you bring to the client? So yeah. it's not just about how much um, you feel you need to earn to cover your expense to make a bit or how much you feel you can get away with. Yeah. An hourly rate because some people do have that kind of mentality. There's also a question of what are you enabling the client to do? that they couldn't have done before to the extent that they can do now. So in my example, um, when I deliver my training, I'm. it's not just that they're paying for, for what they're getting on that day. What they're paying for is the knock-on effect of mm -hmm. knowing how to do that thing better, quicker, whatever, uh, streamlining their own processes so that their stuff takes less time in the long run. And that's quite hard to quantify as well. But yeah. when when you're charging somebody for something, it's not just, okay, so I'm saving her two hours a week. She doesn't have to do her social media because yeah. it might be more than that. But it's also the fact that if she had to do it, it would take her four times as long. Yeah. So I, I think that we forget that part of it as well. That's just like a, a general observation. Yeah. And it's also the, the value that you bring from your knowledge or your experience you know, I work with a lot of businesses that have been huge experience in, let's say, corporate world, and they might be brilliant accountants or they're brilliant trainers or they're brilliant whatever it is that they've done, but they don't have that um, extra set of skills because they've always worked in a silo, yeah. you know, in, in a corporate world. So you bring that piece of the jigsaw that they've never done before yeah. um and that yeah. brings value as well so yeah. there's lots and lots of ways to to bring value and and then include that into your pricing isn't there yeah yeah and i think it's it's really something that you know often people think about pricing oh well i think it came up up in our conversation there with, with caroline they look at what yeah. everybody else is charging and say oh well this is the average so i better charge this whatever this is hmm. um, without factoring in what they bring to the party and and their uniqueness hmm. uh, and what they can what value add they've got that you know I might have some different skill set to you and you will have a yeah. different skill set to me so I think I think um, I think 
pricing is such a difficult general yeah. topic. And I've uh, going back to my own stuff that I've been doing. I'm listen. I listen to Denise Duffield Topper. Denise, in a minute. Denise Duffield Thomas's podcast. It's called Chill and Prosper, and I would highly recommend it to anybody to have a listen to that, especially if you're thinking around pricing. Um, she's all about money mindset. I'm sure I've mentioned her before, but uh, I was listening to one this morning, which kind of was like, oh yeah, I yeah I get that. Um, and and she brings up things that you often don't think about when when you're when you're trying to set your pricing and one of the things she says is is everybody has a different reason for pricing and the the episode I listened to this morning was you're too expensive Mm. how often do people say to you you're too expensive and I think what uh, what I took away from that which I kind of already knew on some level was if, if if I was to say to you Joe oh you're too expensive I can't afford you right now there's nothing personal in that but we take no. it personally yeah. um it's just that I I either don't see the value in what you're offering me so your yeah. marketing message needs to improve to persuade me that what you're selling is what I absolutely can't do without right now yeah so that's one element of it the other element of it is it's not really what I need it's just what I thought I needed but when yeah. I looked into it it wasn't what I needed and yeah. the other thing is it is um it's not right for me right now yeah it might be right for me next month yeah um, and and in this particular episode she talked about the, the things that you can say back to people who say to you you're too expensive because they're bringing their money story to that conversation it's nothing it's actually nothing to do with you or your pricing yeah which I thought was a really interesting perspective yeah it is and and it is one of those things that you know and I know I I've I've been there myself where I've thought to myself that really hurt am I and you do second guess yourself when somebody says I can't afford that you're way too expensive etc 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 and it is it is very difficult when somebody says that now one of the ways that I have dealt with that in the past is I've said to somebody okay what's your budget and let me see what I can deliver within that budget and what we can phase to when you've got more budget Uh, and that's one way of doing it um but the other thing is that if somebody is saying as you say that you're too expensive a they don't see or understand your value or it's not right now and the other thing that people don't think about is if you're getting that statement quite a lot think about who you're marketing to because it may be that you are offering your services to the wrong people at the wrong place at the wrong time it's not that your message is wrong so if you find yourself coming up against that all the time just revisit those things where are you networking who are you talking to and are you talking to the people that have the money um or are the decision makers because in some businesses it's about the people who have the decision to say yes i'm going to buy yeah absolutely and the 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 that's a, that's a, actually a um a really key point and one of the things that we all need to do as businesses is work out who our ideal client is. And you really need to do that in quite a lot of depth. So down to where do they live? What do they like? How much do they currently earn? 
Um, and, and we're talking here about the ideal. We're not talking about the reality. We're talking about who are the people you really want to work with. And essentially, they're the people that we want to help, the people that need our help, but we also want people that can afford to pay us. So, um, you know, and, and I think we're a helping profession and I class myself in as a trainer in a helping profession and we want to help people, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we're also running a business. And the reason we got into running a business was because we want to earn some money for whatever reason, whether that is because we are the breadwinner and we need to put food on the table or pay the mortgage or whether we're working for our holiday fund, you know, we're the extras, mm. or whether we're working to build up a retirement fund, whichever, and there's probably a million and one other things, yeah. reasons people start a business. But I think we often lose sight of the fact that we are running a business and the aim of the business is to make money. At the yeah. bottom line that's why it's called the bottom line isn't it the, the line yeah. at the bottom of the spreadsheet that says how much money you made the bottom line yeah. is we're in it to earn a reasonable amount of money and yeah. reasonable for me may be different to reasonable for you yeah so I think I've told the story before that um if I haven't told it on air I think I've told it to you Joe. um I was out with a, uh, a close relative um, of mine and she had on some really nice shoes and I thought oh, I really like those they look really comfortable I'd like to get something like that because they just look so comfortable and it was only when I looked at them closely I saw that they were Chanel they had the two C's oh. now, her income allows her to buy that that is her that is her normal yeah and but it's not my normal so yeah my gut reaction is, oh my God, that's so expensive. How can you spend whatever it was, probably a yeah. lot, on yeah. a pair of shoes? Um, but for her, that's like me going and spending 50 quid on a pair of shoes. It, it's it's relative. And I think we bring mm. those judgments to things as well, yeah. don't we? Yeah. But then I would challenge back and say, I bet you there's something you, that you spend the cost of a, a Chanel pair of shoes on something that, in your world feels more important. I mean, I I can't imagine going out and spending that amount of money on shoes, but I can imagine going into an artisan um, produce shop and spending that on the best quality food um, and, and produce that I come home and make a great meal with. So yeah. again, there's another... Yeah, no, but I'm talking about a different thing. I'm talking about a... So I'm talking about her normal level of spending. Is oh, oh, yes, I see. That, yeah. yeah, that's her normal. For me, yeah. that would be a treat. I might save up for something like that. If I really wanted those shoes, I'd find out. How, my daughter did this. She wanted a pair of Charles Laboutin shoes with the red soles when she was about 18 or 20. Beautiful shoes. And she always wore very high heels anyway. And she had a shoe fund. She had a, a, a box in her room and she used to put money in it every time. Eventually, when it got to, she had enough money to go out and buy because at the time they were about 300 pounds. Um, she actually didn't buy them in the end because she then decided that spending the 300 pounds on just one pair of shoes didn't represent the value. But it was an aspiration that she had. And then she realized yeah. she didn't have that aspiration anymore. So, um, so that's an aspiration. We all yeah. have those, whatever yeah. it is, the top of the range for me, laptop or computer yeah. or whatever. Um, you will have the top of the range food produce. Yeah. But we're talking about people who are in a different bracket of yeah. a different a different financial oh, yes. 
all together. Their normal is different and their aspiration will be different. Yeah. And I think we can forget that too when we, we're looking at our pricing. So if you're a VA who wants to work with those really high flying people whose normal spending is Chanel shoes, um, your prices will reflect that. Yeah. But your marketing needs to reflect that and your messaging needs to reflect that as well. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's it's kind of interesting. And um, you may realize, listeners, that I've been doing a lot of work lately on who my ideal client is and pricing and generally all of this business stuff. And I'm finding the whole thing really fascinating, how interconnected it all is. Um, and, you know, you only need to get one little thing to have a disconnect somewhere between the person you're talking to, as you said before, Joe, and the message that you put out. If there's a disconnect, yeah, then they're never going to buy whatever it is that you're offering yeah. if, 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 you're not, if you're not solving their problem. Yeah. So oh, we've gone off on a real tangent there. We've gone all philosophical. Ooh, but a, a very interesting and valid point for VAs, particularly, you know, it, new VAs coming into the industry who, who may be looking at that industry basic average and thinking that's where I've got to start and understanding how you change that and move through those yeah. different phases of understanding who you are, what you do and where who you service um this is very important for them these yeah. kinds of discussions yeah and also um, i mentioned on the call with caroline i was in conversation with a, a, a new va who's setting up yesterday an email conversation um and i was asking her what she was doing and she was saying she's going to start out very general because she didn't know what kind of a niche she wanted yet and we've talked about this yeah um, a lot over the, the last year and a bit but the thing I said to her was that's great but what you might find is your niche is a type of business as opposed to a type of service so you mm. might start off wanting to be a generalist VA and do the diary management and do the booking this and the admin of that and creative mm. documents and doing the spreadsheets but you might find that you only want to do this for trainers or coaches or retail businesses yeah. Um, so your niche then becomes the vertical market you're in rather yeah. than the broad services yeah. that you offer. So that's also something to consider. Well, yeah. I think we've waffled on long enough. What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. And gone off on that little tangent, as you yeah. say. So, um, yeah, time to go uh, yeah. before that shopping arrives and yeah. um, get cracking. Yeah, yeah I think we're, we're going to go. So listeners... And you can find us in all the usual places on the Facebook page uh, for Virtually Amazing, the podcast on the Tomorrow's VA website. That's where the podcast is hosted. You can find us on all good podcast players. Do get in touch. And if you'd like to be a guest, we're looking to book in our guest for going forward from September. So please do go to the Tomorrow's VA website, to the podcast page and fill in the application form to be a guest on Virtually Amazing because we like talking to a broader range of people as possible. Everybody has something to bring to the party and we can all learn from each other, which is what I love. So um, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We will be back with you again next week with yet another amazing episode. See you then.